Welcome to Buenta Vista Socialist Club, uh, episode 30. That's right, folks. We're getting up into the triple digits. That's how, that's how numbers work. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the mathematician of the show. Uh, I am Andrew. I'm here with Theo. Ohio. Uh, and of course, Lucy. Hello. How are we, everybody? Good. Yeah. Good. That's good. That's good. Um, my my horrible sickness has gone away, which neither of you even bothered to ask me about. Um, how's how's your ass that you have been violently shitting from, Andrew? That's better. It's better. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know how there's right like up. yeah. I love to to get a bug from my children. That's um that I can actually hear liquefying everything that's inside my body, and then for it to shoot out of my butthole like a like a seagull. Did you identify the bug? Is uh, like gastro-y sort of stuff. Oh, I don't know. It's all. It's been something that's been uh, floating around our little family for the last week. Everybody's had some kind of dose of it. Um, it all came out of the front end of the kids, and it's just come out of the back end of me. Um, oh, thank thank you for clarifying. But um, I'm feeling better, folks. Feeling better. Feeling dried up in the butt. That's good. And so we are here. We're back. Um, and after our, our episode last week, where we interviewed notorious Apex Gang crime leader, uh, Matt Brady, uh, we've been shocked to see that the crime wave engulfing our country has gone even further. Uh, there's a lot of news, a lot of constant news about the um, African crime gangs swamping mm. our nation. Not not the nation. It's just Victoria, really. It's it's tough down here. I'm uh, locked in my house, got barriers on the windows. You know, it's it's tough time for all of us in Victoria. Yeah, although the news really likes to make you feel like it is the whole country, which is good. Uh, so yeah, you know we've had some we've had some interesting stuff crop up in the news over the last week um, since talking to Matt. Uh, apparently, under his leadership, the gang is uh, going gangbusters, if you will. Oh God! Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. Uh, so, yes, it was. So there was a story. There was a story in um, uh, publication of ill repute, the Daily Mail. Big piece of shit, the Daily Mail. And uh, they had a story about a, a scuffle, a scuffle with police. Um, the headline was um, exclusive police spat on in all caps, because that's important, and abused as officers arrest African teenagers outside a shopping center in Melbourne's West in broad daylight in latest gang flare up. Um, well, it's even scarier if they feel like they can come out in the daytime now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. thought they were like vampires. Um, so, you know, they had this story about, about teens at this shopping center, uh, getting out of control and to the police having to be called and them fighting the police and spitting on them and all this kind of stuff. Uh, very inflammatory and everything. Uh, and then a few days later, there was a different news story, which was the, uh, Melbourne, Melbourne chief of police, uh, getting up and saying, uh, at a press conference, Actually, the Daily Mail started that whole situation. Wow. Which is, you know, it's a great look. And basically, the, what they outlined was that um, 
that that yes, there were a group of African uh, teens hanging out at the mall, like you're allowed to do, uh, mm. apparently. So I hear, and um, and this Daily Mail photographer just started taking photos of them as a group, probably not to use in any kind of profiling sense. Uh, and then he started getting closer and just walking up to them and taking close-up photos of them. God. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, apparently, these teens uh, said, what are you doing? <laughs> and Stop it now. And he didn't. And so, they got into it with this guy and a scuffle ensued. And then the police were called uh, and, and that's when it turned into a whole thing. And so, they actually had to have a police press conference to say, hey, media, please try to take some responsibility over the tensions that you are inflaming with this sort of thing because this situation was entirely created by you. Yeah. When the uh, Victoria police are telling you that you might be being a little bit racist and stupid, you're probably being a bit racist. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. You've probably turned the dial a little too far. You've gone past police racism. It's, it's really into <laughs> deep racism there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When the police are like, dial it back, it's a, you're making it a little obvious. Making it a little too yeah. obvious. It's, um, yeah, like the, the, the fact that they had to, the, the police had to come out and say, you guys are making this so much worse. And of course, the best thing about it was that they did create this whole situation. They did create mm. this this entire thing. And then they just reported the story as having happened without any involvement from the photographer. Yeah. Great, great journalism. Great, great journalism. Well, you know, you're not supposed to make yourself part of the story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you just kick a story off and then and then edit yourself out. Which is exactly what you want, really. Yeah. And it is worth noting once again that Victoria, quote, has experienced its biggest drop in its overall crime rate in 12 years, uh, but its Mm. sexual assaults and family violence remain the biggest problem areas. Yep. Uh, So, once again... It's almost like none of this uh, African gang crime whatever is actually happening at all. It's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Mm. Or, yeah, that... That it is, but in in so isolated a sense that's like in yeah. the in the same way that I'm sure. Well, like, and people keep posting this stuff constantly, going, "Oh yeah, what about the you know this gang of white dudes that got arrested this week? And what about these two guys in the same day in Newcastle who got arrested for doing armed robberies? And what about you know all this other sort of thing?" But they're wrong color. So what are you going to do? Catchy though, African gang crisis. You know. It's- well, yeah, um, it's retro too. It's retro. It is. It's retro violence. I love it. Yeah, the um, the two thousands are back in, so it makes sense that we would we would just dig out the same media stuff. Yeah, I think we should start saying that our rap music is uh, violent, and start getting mad about rap music. Yeah, and they should just they should just pull their damn pants up. <laughs> they should. They should just. They need to pull their pants up. Oh, next thing you know, we'll be like those um, those towns in the US that are like passing laws where they can they can like fine and imprison people for having their pants sag too much. 
That, of course, is the is the conservatism that truly respects free speech and free expression right there. Oh, they love free speech. It's, it's what they're all about. Mm, unless your pants are too low, then you can get in jail. So, yeah, you know, as, as you can see, it's not going great. It's not going great for the media here at the moment. Um, a lot of own is goals. Well, mm. yeah, we have we have flare-ups of especially toilet-worthy times here, really, don't we? This is, this is Australian culture. This is my culture. <laughs> oh, white people don't have culture? <laughs> Try again, sweetie. Explain this. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's been pretty bad at the moment, and of course we've got you know politicians at all state and federal levels getting involved. Um, mm. It's almost as though uh, the the reigning Liberal Party are doing really, really badly uh, mm. in all their all their approval uh, all their approval ratings and all the areas that are usually supposed to be their strong points, like creating jobs and managing the economy and. Yeah, important to note that uh, Daniel Andrews' term as Premier in Victoria is um, there's an election coming up. So, suddenly this uh, African gang violence has increased and Daniel Andrews is he's soft on crime, you know? Mm, yes, it's, uh, it's, I'm sure it's purely by coincidence that, um, that this seemingly largely manufactured crisis about... Yeah, it's flaring up just ahead of an, a state election. That's right, a very small minority of people. And weirdly enough, uh, it has also involved um, federal-level politicians all very personally involving themselves. Uh, for example, we have, uh, who we were talking about last week, notorious Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton uh, saying that, you know, this, this whole thing's out of control and Daniel Andrews either needs to admit that violent crime is out of control in his state or resign. So, again, I'm sure it's purely coincidental that federal liberal politicians are involving themselves to um, to insist that the Labor Premier of a state that's got an election coming up hmm. uh, recuse himself. That he Fascinating. Just, 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 just resign from being Premier. It's funny that you say, like, yeah, maybe this is a cover for, you know, the, the uh, LNP not going so well on a federal level, um, you know, I, but weirdly enough, I saw this thing on, I think, and I'm pretty certain it was on Channel 7 the other day, who we'll get to, um, saying, oh, Malcolm Turnbull's gone from strength to strength uh, this year and finished up on a high note after uh, passing uh, gay marriage on his watch. And it's like, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, it's like- totally. <laughs> that, is, that is not the summary of this situation. Mm. Didn't want him to do that, and, and it's like, am I, am I out of touch? No, it's the, <laughs> must be the children. Uh, uh, well, haven't they lost? Um, someone, someone will know this. Someone smarter than me. Um, haven't like state liberals lost every? Like state election since the federal election of Turnbull? yeah things things have not gone yeah, well so. on the back of the Turnbull government yeah um, yeah pretty much pretty much everywhere they've been swept out um, where was it I'm trying to remember which state it was where they where they weren't even supposed to win like they were only one term into the Liberals and they got trounced um, yeah it's almost like everybody's very sick of the liberals in general. Um, so, you know, they've, they've fallen back to 
the most base of political tactics, the old, old Nixon Southern strategy. Yep. Be be very scared. Be scared of black people and foreigners. Hmm. Um, so, you know, you'd think you'd think hopefully that the media would get a handle on this and maybe try and show a little maturity. Uh, you'd be wrong. You'd be extremely wrong. Uh, Why would you think that? No, you wouldn't really. It's a, it a terrible thing to think. No, not in this country. Um, so, yeah, like I, I also think it's worth noting as well that a lot of what have been the sort of mainstays of, of the media in Australia for a long time, like uh, the, the free-to-air TV channels, like Channel 7 and 9 and 10, um, they are all just tanking financially. Mm. Uh, they all seem like they're really not very long for this world. Um, and so it doesn't really, it shouldn't really be that much of a surprise to anyone that they'll pretty much stoop to anything or try anything to, to get their ratings up over any of the other channels. And their, their main audience is like older people because they're the only people who are watching TV anymore. So, uh, a bit of, a bit of a black scare is just ratings gold. Hmm. The old boomer population. Mm. So, as Theo mentioned, there are there's been another situation on uh, Channel Seven this week, which is that uh, they they posted um, something publicising an interview that they would be broadcasting um, with some. I'm trying to remember the way that they put it. They were like uh, Australians, um, Australians like taking taking the African crime issue into their own hands. And it turns out that who they were actually talking about is um, two uh, far-right extremist groups, uh, notorious within Australia, uh, one headed by Blair Cottrell and the other mm-hmm. by, what's the other guy's name? Kane, Kane something. The Not other sure. guy from the, the True Blue Crew, which is Convicted racist, by the way. Both been convicted, I'm pretty sure, under uh, the racial vilification laws. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Blair Cottrell has also um, like actually gone to prison for burning down his ex-girlfriend's house. Oh, sorry, burn- burning down the house of a man who he thought had sex with his ex-girlfriend. Mm. Uh, very much admitting to that on camera. Um, yep, he's expressed uh, admiration for Hitler. Uh, he said that... Um, that they should give a copy of Mein Kampf to every school student in Australia and have a picture of Hitler in the classroom, Mm. which is a a very normal, not at all super racist neo-Nazi thing to say. Um, He's got all kinds of uh, horrifying things in his past, Uh, like, again, a history of assault, stalking, um, threatening and intimidating women, all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, look, here's a, a specific quote from him. He claim, he's claimed to have manipulated women, quote, using violence and terror. Wow. That's that's an Australian patriot so right like, there. Yeah. And it, these are all the things that, like, this is one of those classic projection moments um, from the right where, you know, these are all the things that they would accuse, uh, you know, the average African uh, man of uh, being guilty of, like oh, yeah. you know, being someone that would sexually assault their partner, um, being someone that would threaten someone with a hatchet, um, you know, like all, all this shit. It's just like textbook of what they put down, that what they want to peg on innocent black people. Um, 
But yet, uh, I found it, Andrew. Uh, Seven News reporter Jody Lee has been granted exclusive access to a secret meeting organised by right-wing activists in response to Melbourne's African youth crime crisis. Yeah. And, and that's one one way to describe it, I guess. Uh, the... Um, uh, the Chiron uh, underneath was a secret meeting discussing ways to prevent crimes from happening, not uh, wow. not disgusting racists uh, discuss ways to prey on black people. Um, yeah, convicted criminals talking about how to prevent crime seems seems rational. Yeah, yeah um, um, if I don't want someone to burn down my house, um, I want to go and ask the neighborhood arsonist. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, Seems I like that it's. I like that it's. Uh, yeah, uh, local neighborhood watch invents precogs instead of <laughs> men plan racist attacks. Mm. Um, yeah, that's and that's pretty much going to be the size of it. Neighborhood um, pedophiles band together. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, oh god. So so yeah, like it. I I I think I hope a lot of people were understandably just flabbergasted by this were just just like why it, it's exactly like another story you and i were just talking about theo and we'll see if we see if we get to in a minute um which is one of these things where you have to ask yourself did anybody involved with the production of this segment just punch one of these guys names into google hmm. just for one second because what are these guys about um, have they been uh Responsible for any um, extremely high-profile uh, riots recently. Um, I would love to think that that's the case and they're just being ignorant, but I'm certain that they know exactly who these people are and yeah, exactly I mean, they, what they've done. Their audience, right, who consists uh, purely of men of the age of between 55 and 60, all uh, wearing leather jackets with the words, if you can read this, the bitch fell off on the back, um, <laughs> need their content, right? And who are Channel 7 uh, to not package it in the exact racist box uh, and just barf it out of their TVs onto their living room floor as requested. Um, I mean, they just they just keep fucking doing it, like uh, putting Pauline Hanson on the TV every second of the day. Yeah. Putting, not just in like news it. stories, but celebrating her as a personality on Dancing with the Stars. Um, and, like, well, I, I, I remember I, when I, she was having her comeback and they were like, they did a whole thing about, oh, she's had a makeover and she looks great. She looks better than ever. And it's like, why the fuck are you spending money to put lipstick on a literal pig? Like, <sighs> yeah. It'll be the yeah. Nazis. Uh, and it's Blair like, on Dancing with the Stars. Give it, no, give it two months. No, it'll be fucking Ivan Milat. <laughs> find, out how, find out how Blair Cottrell gets his big buff physique. Was it was it just prison weights? Yes, yes, it was. Like, okay, so for example, folks, if you if you take five seconds to Google "True Blue Crew," um, you will come up with a Wikipedia entry. The True Blue Crew is an True Blue Crew is an anti-Islam far-right street protest group based in Melton, Australia, founded by Kane Miller, the guy that they had on this news thing. 
Uh, at a protest rally organized by a True Blue crew in Melbourne, police seized weapons, including a knife and knuckle duster. In August 2016, uh, member Philip Galea was charged with terrorism-related offenses. Uh, the type of group is far-right, and their purpose is anti-immigration, anti-Islam, anti-multiculturalism, and far-right politics. So you, you would think from looking at that, oh, yeah, that's that just a, a friendly neighborhood watch group. If you it's look like at it- their own Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Their own fucking Facebook page where you write in your own description, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like having the fucking grand wizard mage, whatever the fuck he's called, of the KKK on daytime television. Yeah, and then labelling them concerned citizens. Concerned Mm. citizens, vigilante groups. Local activists, yeah. Like... (laughs) Mm, local activists taking hanging black people into their own hands, essentially. On Amateur TV. crime fighter. Mm. It's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, their little about section on their own Facebook pages. We're an active pro-Australian group against Islamization, open border policies, refugees, asylum seekers, and the left wing. This. Yeah, fuck those refugees, man. They, uh, yeah, fuck Islam's treatment of women. That you know, the, the patriot groups would never treat women badly. Just, just. Ridiculous. But I think, yeah, I think the only positive thing, uh, again, like silver lining on this story is um, uh, Jody Lee, the uh, Channel Seven uh, reporter who, uh, you know, filed this report, uh, and then. Uh, put it online on on Twitter. Got absolutely bodied. Um, she got bodied today. Mm-hmm. She uh, they bodied the tweet straight off of Twitter. Um, and I went on there expecting um, a flood of uh, comments like you know deport them all and all this sort of stuff, which you absolutely find um, on the comment section of of uh, all of the news sites where it's posted because the comment sites uh, of those sites are populated uh, entirely by cretins. But, um, yeah, she got, yeah, just totally destroyed on on Twitter. Everyone was very, very concerned about uh, the way that this uh, was reported, presented, you know, everything top top to bottom. Uh, Fortunately, lots and lots of... uh, Lots and lots of journalists um, took umbrage with this uh, as well. Um, they deleted the tweet. I haven't seen a mayor culpa or anything approaching um, any sort of apology or anything out of them. Um, so, yeah, well, you're not surprised by them taking the coward's way out, but uh, it was nice to see for once. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about whether or not they actually pulled the segment altogether or whether they aired it in the end. Well, Seven still got on their timeline uh, the tweet uh, linking to the story. Hmm. Um, so, hasn't gone far, but uh, I assume she was just um, tired of being harassed as a woman online. Um, nothing more to it, I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, it's all, it's all very stupid and bad. Um, let's hope. Let's hope they can stop doing that sometime soon, but probably not. Let's be real. It's, it's the Australian media, so no. It's the Australian It's going to get worse way. before it gets better, isn't it? It, it absolutely will get much worse. <laughs> so, to move on to something um, equally dumb but not as scary, 
friend of the show, Mark Latham, has he has a cause. He has, um, you know, uh, a spirit quest that he's been on. He's a dog with a bone. <laughs> he is indeed a dog <laughs> with a bone. Now, it's funny because I could have sworn that when, um, when same-sex marriage was on its way to being legalized, when marriage equality was on its way to being legalized, uh, Mark was kicking up a big old stink about how if we let this happen, if we let this law change, nothing's ever going to be the same. Everyone's rights will be eroded. Um, they'll come into your house and make you bang seven dudes every night, whatever, whatever his problem was. Uh, but now that it has been legalized, uh, he's pretty much forgotten about that one. He's done with that now. Um, uh, I, I would have thought that if you were actually that concerned about it, that you would continue to fight back against it. You would like be running campaigns to have that law repealed anything like that, but apparently not. Apparently, apparently that's all fine. Um, instead, he's continued on with, uh, frankly, more important work. And that important work is making sure that the date of, of public holiday Australia Day does not get changed. Very important stuff. Vital. Absolutely vital stuff. While talking about how the left gets overly upset about non-issues. Yep. About, uh, yeah. about ID politics and signifiers yeah. like that. So, so he's been getting pretty deep into this one for a while. He's got a website all about it, I think. Um, and, I think so. And he's, he's now gone far enough to producing some commercials for television um, to, to hopefully attempt to scare the populace <laughs> into not, not changing the date. Um, mm. I'm sure our Australian listeners will remember a little while ago when popular uh, government-funded youth radio station Triple J um, ran a survey of their own listeners saying, hey, do you think we should change the date of the Hottest 100, which traditionally falls on Australia Day? And the majority of their listenership said, yeah, sure. And they went, okay. And that was the end of that. Uh, except then we had a big flare-up of people suddenly acting like they were interested in the Hottest 100, uh, people who I have no doubt have never listened to it before in their entire life, mm-hmm. Mark Latham included. So, Mark has made a series of commercials. Um, oh, no, sorry. He's only made the one, which has several made up of several vignettes. And um, apparently he wanted to do several more, but we'll, we'll get into why he couldn't do that. And so, like, the, the ad doesn't really work if we just play the audio. So, we're going to have to tell you the yeah, concept. You watch the ad. It, yeah, you absolutely owe yourself uh, to watch uh, this ad. It's Two minutes ex- in heaven. <laughs> Extremely funny. Uh, it's so funny. It's one of the only times we're going to tell you to watch a commercial, folks. Um, so, the ad opens with a, a mother at home, a blonde, blue-eyed mother at home, um, and her blonde, blue-eyed daughter comes up to her and, and says... Oh, they are super Aryan children. They, it's a very Aryan scenario. <laughs> and uh, the, the child comes up to her and says, Mummy, look what I made. And she's made a, a little card that says, Happy Australia Day. And the mother goes, You didn't show this to anyone, did you? And... <laughs> And the child says, no. And she throws it in the bin. 
No, well, no, she doesn't throw it in the bin. She has a pa- paper shredder in her kitchen for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, she has a, a plugged-in paper shredder in her kitchen uh, at, at just the level of her children's hands, um, which makes perfect sense. And as she shreds um, the incriminating document of her child daring to love her country and Australia Day, um, we see this through a surveillance camera. It says on it, surveillance. Um, we see this from That's how you know. We see this from the vantage point of Big Brother. Now, oh, sorry, I've I've completely messed up here. It should be noted that the commercial starts with a line saying. What's going to happen if the Greens and the Labor left get their way and change the date of Australia Day? Uh, so the first is this woman having to shred her child's uh, art because she doesn't want to offend the thought police. The second is a woman who goes into a butcher and says, I would like several kilos of sausages and of lamb chops. And the butcher says, oh, are you doing something tomorrow? And she immediately becomes incredibly uh, visibly nervous and agitated and says, "Uh, no, no, I will be going to work just like anyone else on a normal day. And the butcher uh, looks over her shoulder at the surveillance camera installed in the butcher and says, enjoy your normal day, madam. And she snatches up the meat without paying for it and runs out. Um, <laughs> and the the third and final vignette is two elderly gentlemen um, in a retirement home. And one of them quietly says to the other, happy Australia Day, mate, and gets out a little plate with two lamingtons on it, which I assume are illegal in this dystopian future. Um, and the... A, a very nurse nurse ratchet figure comes over and scowls at them and says, talking about the good old days, are you? You know you're not allowed to say things like that. And then she walks off and they both pull out from under the seats of their wheelchairs uh, little Australian flags and wave it at her mm-hmm. back as she walks away. Yeah, whereas in the good old days, uh, they would have just put a hand up her skirt and sexually assaulted her. Right. And then the name of got Father. murdered and then died in the war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, those good old days of uh, uh, good old days. <laughs> having a gangrenous foot and then dying of dysentery. Yeah. Now, the whole thing is just, it's unintentional comedy gold. Um, and there I are, guess there it's are meant, several issues with the story. It's meant to be a scary dystopian future, I guess. I guess the scary dystopian future where it's just... On a different day. <laughs> but this is like, but but it's it's not like they're viewing it like you know through surveillance cameras and all this sort of stuff. And it's like you know to make sure that nobody says or does the wrong thing. And I think that's like very indicative of what they think uh, political correctness is about. Mm. Like, yeah, it's it's literally the thought police. Where it's like, no, it, we're we're asking you to to think about. The things you say and the traditions that we hold and all this sort of sort of shit and like you know the consequences, but it's but to them it's like it's it's actually Big Brother, uh, you know, and they expect to be hauled off to the gulags uh, mm. because you know um, they don't believe that there should be fags in the military. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, actually, coming back to that initial 
initial um, line on the screen at the start of the ad. It says what what will happen if the Greens and Labor left get their way and they abolish Australia Day. So he's starting he's starting from a completely dishonest position. It's a straw man. I know that word from the internet. Yep. Yep. Uh, he straw manned it. He did. He's he's straw manned it up. Um, because yeah, like people are just saying, just move it to a different date. Just don't make it the one that commemorates uh, the first fleet landing here and killing a bunch of people. Yeah, I'll literally, just put and it one day after. It's fine. Just two days over. Um, mm. and, but instead, he he has to pretend that the idea is that it will be abolished because I guess secretly all people in the left hate Australia and hate living here. I suppose. Yeah. I think that's yeah, that's the crux of it. I mean, it's also true, but it's true. It is true, but also like it's really sad that this is genuinely how these people see the world and how they see this stuff. Like, oh, maybe we should change Australia Day in their head is like I can't say or do anything, otherwise a scary Labor person's going to yell at me. See, I, I thought there were a couple of interesting things about this, even as a concept. And the first is, like I was saying, he he ran this very long extended campaign about marriage equality. And once it was legalized, we have not heard a word from him about it, right? Mm, true. It was going to be this whole thing where everybody was was going to be forced to comply with the, the thought police and all this sort of stuff. And since it's happened, haven't heard a word about it. He's not running some campaign to repeal the laws. He's not saying, you know, like, oh, beware everyone of all the consequences that I warned you about or anything. He's just stopped. And now he's moved on to this thing. He's got his whole campaign set up. He's got a fucking website he's got all this shit and all that it proves to me is that it, it, his existence at this point is just purely reactionary it is purely to just say what is the next thing that our society is is going to change because that yeah. is what's, that is just how society functions yeah what's the current issue i can uh make people get very angry about and watch my stupid show filmed on fucking green screen in my backyard well it was a movie critic that i was reading a um that was talking on twitter the other day about i think he was referring to the kind of phenomenon of like um you know people talking about a a show like friends where if you watch it now there will be a bunch of like gay panic jokes in it and um or like if you watch a, a, a movie like ace ventura um, that's funny, but the entire plot actually revolves around like transphobia. Um, mm. <laughs> that's that's like the major plot point of the film. Um, and yeah, so if you watch it entirely through the lens of the politics of today, you go, oh, well, that wouldn't fly. Um, and obviously, I think that most reasonable people are able to look at things and say like, okay, I can enjoy... Like, I can enjoy all these jokes, but I recognize that this thing and this thing is either a bit distasteful or it wouldn't fly now, or I realize that the world was different then or whatever. Uh, there are certain cases of things that you can go back and look at, and they are so, uh, you know, sort of beyond the pale that you go, well, I don't think I can really indulge in this anymore. Um, I think that those things are a bit a bit rare and everything. Um but yeah, the point the point that this guy was making was he was saying like that there seems to be a bit of a, a cottage industry now of like these little think pieces people are writing about um, 
you know, oh, this this piece of media or culture from the past has something in it that I think is that is bad by today's standards. And you're saying, but that's always going to be the case. If you look at anything from 20 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever, there will be some societal norm contained in that little thing from the past um, that will at some point have been challenged and taken over by some new presiding norm because that is just the the nature of progress and of society, mm. which is exactly where we find ourselves now, you know? And that's where mm-hmm. that's where Mark Latham is. That's where his whole life is just saying, what's the next thing? What's the next piece of progress? What's the next thing that society has collectively said? Actually, that's kind of a shitty way to treat these people. Let's dial that one I back. Think that, I think the next thing is going to be um, you can't be mean to people that own Bitcoin, which I think is like absolutely the point at which I will cross over to become a conservative. <laughs> yeah, I'd be conservative. <laughs> be like, no, back in back in my day, oh. <laughs> we used to take these nerds and beat them up. And I say that as as a nerd, but uh, you know what it's going to be for me? Fairies. Yes, uh, fairies and like um, other kin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, yeah. I think I'm actually already there with uh with with Polly. <laughs> Not that I have an issue with Polly itself, but with Polly people because the ones on the internet are often the worst people alive. And I think that's re- what's really gonna it's gonna cross me over the conservative boundary in the future. Just re- and I think it's it's very brave for you to again bring this up uh, in an episode where Ben's not actually on. But yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring it up when Ben's here. All I will say is that Polly is a relationship where the woman fucks a lot and the man does not fuck very much. Which for a man, I think, is the most respectful relationship oh, to be in. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Theo. You got me there, Theo. Yeah, the show. You got me the there. Show's as, woke bay. as a sex as a sex positive feminist. Theo is the show's woke bay. Mm. I'm surprised there isn't a woke bay tweets about Theo. Should get some going. No, all I, all I get is being accused of being the show's dicky knee <laughs> <laughs> or brainy smurf. Yeah, just these fucking uh, inc- incredibly. Uh, specific, uh, well-drawn caricatures from like 20 years ago. Uh, So (laughs) thank you, the collective listeners, for owning me uh, directly and repeatedly. Right, nonstop, nonstop. Thank you. Thank you, unironically. This is my life now. (laughs) Now, um, yeah, so so the whole... The whole Mark Latham thing is incredibly ridiculous because he's going to insist right up until the day that the date of Australia Day does get changed because it's going to happen. Um, it is like to me, it is like the marriage equality thing where it just f- has a feel of inevitability about it. It feels like there is a large enough chunk of the population that is either uh, like I can I can be respectful enough of indigenous people to say yeah let's let's change it and then like a a very hefty chunk of people who are probably going to be like i don't really give a fuck like change it if it makes some people feel better uh or don't either way as long as i get a public holiday i don't care i feel like that's going to be a decent chunk of australians i think i think that's most people i mean i don't think i don't think everyone understands the depth of the indigenous issues and i mean but at the same time it's like who the fuck cares it's a it's a australia day 
it really affects your life in absolutely no way whatsoever if you change what date it's on. Yeah. Like like I said, the vast majority of Australians are going to care more about, do, but do I still get a public holiday? Then cool. Yeah, do I still put get a, a day off? Put it wherever. Fine. Yeah, it's like, it's like the Queen's birthday. Like literally nobody knows what day the Queen's birthday is. Yeah. We just care we get a public holiday. That's right. Now, something very funny happened about uh, Mark Latham's silly ad uh, that he started running, um, which is that someone on Twitter, Twitter user, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to pronounce it like that. Four exclamation marks. Uh, sure. Well, it's, um, I think it's uh, K- KSH underscore, KSH underscore, KSH. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure it went. And uh, they they got into contact with Mark on Facebook through his um, <laughs> through his fabulous uh, Mark Latham's Outsiders page. That is that is the one good thing about Mark Latham is that he's extremely online. Mm, it's extremely online. Um, so so this guy is on um, on Twitter as uh, Elijah Man Young with the at kish 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 kish. Um, so, so he posted this thing saying, I'm pretty happy that I go back to work tomorrow. I'm not great with spare time. Um, and this is accompanied by a series of screen captures. Um, so he had sent a message, uh, over, over Facebook to Mark Latham's outsiders that said, hello, Mark and co. My name is Tom. I work for Charlie Brooker on behalf of Endemol UK and your Australia Day video came to my attention. As you may know, we produce the Black Mirror science fiction series. We would like to know if you would be interested in having a discussion about adapting your storyline into something the Black Mirror series could use. Please let me know as we would be keen to chat. Signed, Tom Jenkins. Now, Mark has replied, Mm. Hi, Tom. What is Black Mirror all about, please? Are there some examples of what you're saying? What specifically have you got in mind, Mark Latham? Oh, boy. Uh, That's some Black Mirror shit. <laughs> what if your phone tricked you? Uh, he's replied, okay, Tom, you never really know who's chatting on Facebook, he says, f- foolishly not knowing where this is going. I went and checked out Black Mirror and I could see you guys are a serious operation. Our ad takes up a dystopian theme, a world of PC gone mad, an Orwellian scenario of what our country would look like if the PC madness extended to the abolition of our national day. Parentheses, a big political debate here. Not really. Not really, Mark. We had another three to four vignettes developed at concept stage, but didn't have the money to get them up into the ad. Three film vignettes made the point well enough anyway. Happy to talk. Best by email. Mm, I want the cut videos. <laughs> just storyboards. I'd be happy with storyboards. Yeah, just drawn storyboards. Drawn by Mark, uh, who sends another message. Let's meet up in Melbourne as soon as possible. Urgent now. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Why did this become urgent all of a sudden? <laughs> He's seen Black Mirror. He's thought this is this is his shot to fame. Oh, my God. Um. But did you see the the uh, his uh, repost later on? Uh, uh, no, I did not. So so uh, Helen Razor, I think, did an article on it on in Crikey, and uh, and he replies, um, 
Crikey is fake news. A mate sends me snippets like that one today, which was not the full exchange on Facebook. I was onto the UK impersonator. He had a Melbourne FB account and photos, but could not lure him down my path, which would have been very funny. So, is, was, he <laughs> so trying to turn, was he trying to turn that around into I was actually trolling him? Yeah, I think you'll find uh, he wasn't actually owned uh, and he was the puppet master all along. Oh. Uh, he, he, he was actually laughing. Dancing. He is laughing. It sounds like he's been taking some cues from Paul Joseph Watson. <laughs> you accident. Let's not, let's not talk about Paul. Let's not, let's not talk about Paul. Let's not bring prison Paul into this. Don't bring prison Paul into this. Uh, Why are you going to get I, super horny all of a sudden? <laughs> I am. I am. I feel like... I feel like we're going to have something special. He's, he's going to come around. So, uh, let, let's just give him some space. You think he's going to take a left turn at some point? He is, he's going to take a very a very harsh left turn. It, it, this might be getting into uh, the details a little much, but is it like is it his luxurious beard um, or the fact that he sounds like Ringo Starr I think that really yeah, gets you going? Yeah, it's the fact that he sounds like Ringo Starr. He's, uh, it's doing it for me. Hmm. Well, there we go. We learn something new about yeah. somebody's sexual proclivities every week on this show. Yeah. Yep. Um, Paul, come to Australia. You can get it, apparently. Yeah. Paul, uh, DM me. chat <laughs> about left-wing issues. <laughs> so, the last thing I wanted to note about this whole thing, uh, beyond, uh, like I was saying, that it, it just shows Latham for what he is, which is 100% pure reactionary. I don't think he really gives a shit about any particular issue. He just wants to oppose something. Um, but more importantly, when I watched that ad, I was truly struck by the idea of how it encapsulated the concept of white privilege. Because if the, like, please go and watch that ad and remind yourself that this is a, a middle-aged white guy who's living on a parliamentary pension. This mm. is genuinely his, his idea of a dystopian future is that he still lives in nice Australia uh, where you can just, you can go down to the butcher or you can sit in your nice big house or um, live at what is apparently an extremely lavish retirement home that these two old guys live at. Yeah, it looks more, more like a plantation farm. Yes. Uh, mm. Very much. And, but that people are like, you're not allowed to have your barbecue on this, this one day of the year. Is that yeah, that's the to worst him, world he can imagine. Yeah, that's his worst case scenario, nightmarish future that he can come up with. Is that someone's like, ah, oh, don't do this on this one day. Yeah. Be being asked not to do a thing is his nightmare of the future. It's 1984. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of the whole thing for him. That's the whole ball game. So we'll we'll leave Mark there for the moment. I'm sure he's going to manage to make himself look uh, even even dumber at some point um, really yeah, soon. I'm sure we'll see him. I'm sure we'll see him next week. Yes, and we thought we would move on quickly to just discuss um, this week's this week's casualty in the war on woke bays. Uh, and of course, we are talking about uh, both James Franco and Aziz Ansari. Oh, well, I was watching Master of None. I was watching Master of None when it uh, it came up on Twitter. Oh, and I, I wasn't too surprised, to be honest. 
I I think the big red flag um, for Aziz was an interview that I was reading. Um, it was an article I was reading about like, uh, you know, the sort of insular nature of show business and everything and how well, like what what has prevented a lot of this stuff coming up in the past. And somebody was, was talking about how they had been interviewing Aziz Ansari about some of this sort of stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, all this stuff's really important and great and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, what about all these accusations against Louis C.K., who has been like a mentor mm-hmm. to Aziz, who went, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. And then just cut the interview off. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. And I, I was like, mm. in the same way that like Amy Poehler, who is great friends with Louis CK and has worked with him and stuff has like just completely refused to acknowledge any of the stuff about him at any point. Hmm. But uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, there was a piece that came out on uh, babe.com. Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where a, a woman um, recounted her experience with Aziz Ansari uh, where, you know, if you want to go and read it, feel free. Um, where basically yeah, they, they well, met I mean, can I can I put my uh, my lady perspective on oh, this one? Please do. Please do. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of people talking about whether or not this is an assault or a rape or whatever, and it's it's one of those complicated ones where, you know, it's vaguely consensual, but he's creepy and pushes things way too far. And so I think it's not specifically someone saying uh, he assaulted me, but this is a situation that happens to women very often where men act really shitty and Aziz is someone who's acted really shitty. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think the like for a lot of people, they obviously associated the, the Aziz stuff with like, all of his stand-up and everything that is about, hey, this there's all these ways in which like guys are shitty and don't treat women well and yeah. don't don't he, read signals money. and Make money off his feminism. Yeah, and um, and then when you you know you get to a, a specific uh, a specific situation involving him personally, uh. It's then, you know, all of a sudden he doesn't see those signals or anything. And I mean, you can speculate, like we can speculate all we want about things like, like we were saying before the show, you know, it's, it's possible that like he's, he's now a very famous, uh, very successful uh, guy in his thirties or whatever, who lives in New York. I'm sure there is no shortage of women who are very willing to sleep with him. Um, and whether or not that means that someone then basically just chooses to ignore the signals of someone who isn't being that receptive to their mm. advances or whatever, or whether he's someone who, if you go back and look at his earlier stand-up, there's a lot of sort of stuff about like how he was he was never the the dude that women wanted to go home with. Uh, they they go home with dumb guys and muscly jocks and that sort of thing. Mm. Whether he's uh, a little too high on his own. Uh, success now or whatever but um the point still remains the same which is that uh when when confronted with this he he acknowledged it um i think in a he did he's like he's come out and apologized for it and said that he had no idea which i mean i think that's good that we're having this conversation in that there are things that men think were consensual at the time that a woman might not have. And I think it's good that people are comfortable to come out with stories like this where it's like, 
hey, you acted really shitty, even though he might not have realized at the time. Because as he said in his, a lot of his stand-up, he's the awkward dude that misunderstands signals and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about his actual acknowledgement of it because it was it was one of those like, he kind of said like, oh, I feel really terrible if, um, I feel terrible that this girl is upset. Clearly, I misunderstood some signals at the time. And if you read her account of it, she's like saying to him, I don't think I'm really into this. I don't think uh, I, don't he, think I he, want to do this. put her hand on his dick like eight times while she continually removed it. Yeah, like a, lo- a lot of yeah. stuff that, that sort of says that the signals were, were quite clear and all the way up to like verbal. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm really Verbally, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm thing. comfortable with this. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and to then have your acknowledgement be like, oh, well, I guess we were just on different wavelengths um, is, is pretty shit. And there is also, like we were saying, there's uh, James Franco, who I think um, we would all be a bit less surprised by. Um, he has had a bunch of a bunch of accusations come up about him just generally being a, a, a bit of a sleazy guy, and I think more specifically trying to really capitalize on his uh, fame and renown in order to uh, get women to sleep with him or even just take off their tops or whatever. Um, I feel like I've spent an inordinate amount of my time in the past defending James Franco. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but like, I, I have to admit, at least one of the things that I read, it it was funny to me on... <laughs> I'm not saying any of this stuff is funny, but like tread carefully, Andrew. I'm, I'm treading. I'm treading carefully. It's when you when you read about it in the context of that he was taking advantage of his celebrity and his renown as as an actor and a personality and stuff in order to you know exploit that relationship with women. But when you hear what the actual scenario was, which is that he was running James Franco's masterclass on acting in sex scenes. And oh my god! It's just—it's a little on the nose. Come on, like yeah. Oh, uh, and the stories out of it were were like you know women saying you know he'd get a couple of us in a room and go all right everybody take your tops off and we go what are you talking about and he'd go ah and get mad storm out of the room or you know a bunch of things like that. Um, so you know. I'm certainly not saying that exploiting uh, your relationship or your power over people um, is funny because one of the other things that a lot of people said who had been in that scenario with him was that uh, the the materials around the courses that he ran um, quite explicitly stated that he casts roles from people who have been in his class. So... It was very oh, much, okay. made, yeah. It was very much made out as if you come and do this class with James Franco, there's a really strong likelihood that he will put you in a movie, that you will wind up in something good because of doing this, which of course immediately massively exacerbates the pressure uh, to comply with something that he's asking you to do, even if you're not comfortable. What a piece of shit! Yeah, it's so cool that we give like all this power to uh, actors who are. Uh, extremely stupid people uh, who are very ill-equipped to deal with the power differential that like immediately springs up. So yeah, artists, uh, artists are notoriously uh, stable, good people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
That said, I, I mean, I don't think this whole discourse is purely about Hollywood. Oh no, yeah. God no! I think I think it's just I think it's partly about um, like obviously Hollywood as an industry. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's extra is, terrible. Is extremely fucked up, particularly in that sense of power dynamics and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you got to got to do whatever you can to get a chance to get your shot, to get your foot in the door, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think the there, there are probably a lot of industries like that, but it's certainly one of the most publicly visible ones. Um, but yeah, James Franco has also been grilled about this on a couple of talk shows over the last week or two and ha- also had a similarly uh, dissatisfying you know, sort of acknowledgement of it, which was to say, you know, he, he was giving a lot of lip service to the whole, to like the whole Me Too movement and to the Time's Up thing they were doing at the Golden Globes or whatever that was. He was wearing his little pin. And then when he started getting grilled about it, he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't really, I don't remember it like that. I don't really agree with that, that kind of, assessment of that situation that these multiple women all had or whatever um i think reductress had a had a headline that was like a picture of james franco that was like i believe women unless they're talking about me (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah yeah which is like that that's that to me is kind of the issue with with some of like how common these like the guys who are the most vocal you know about feminist issues it's like the more vocal a man is about this stuff the more likely he is to be a sex pest yeah yeah which is just pretty it's pretty bleak bit of a shame um just a bit although we can we can go to the other end of the spectrum here uh because there was also um creator of Community and Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon, Mm. um, who had been publicly accused of sexual harassment by um, a woman who was a writer on his show. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and this this had, I think she'd she'd been quite public about this. um, And she she just said, like, I just just want an apology. You know, I just Mm -hmm. want an apology from it. And um, he he did. He went into it on his podcast. Um, he sort of talked about it. And she said, oh, like uh, she was posting it on Twitter saying like, I never thought I would ask people to do this, but please listen to his podcast where he talks about this. Okay. And he just, he, he gave a complete sort of account on it. Um mm. He said, uh, I'll, I'll read the quote from him here. Um, on the latest episode of his Harmontown podcast, Harmon said he abused both Gans and his position of power by sexually harassing her during the time she worked on the series. Uh, quote, the most clinical way, the most clinical way I can put it in fessing up to my crimes is that I was attracted to a writer I had power over because I was a showrunner and I knew enough to know that those feelings were bad news. I lied to myself the entire time about it and I lost my job. I ruined my show. I betrayed the audience. I destroyed everything and I damaged her internal compass and I moved on. Uh, I've never done it before and I never will do it again, but I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it if I had any respect for women. On a fundamental level, I was thinking about them as different creatures. I was thinking about the ones that I liked as having some special role in my life and I did it all by not thinking about it. 
And um, yeah, he, he really, wow. he really okay. went into the entire thing as far as saying like, uh, yeah, I, I was attracted to her. So, I just kept kept pressuring her and like treating her differently to everybody else. And I knew that I was using my power to like put this person in a situation that they otherwise wouldn't be in. Mm. And, um, and I think she referred to it as like, a. Uh, the, the quote from her here is, um, I'm not being flippant. I didn't bring up this mess just to sweep it back under the rug, but I find myself in the odd position of having requested an apology publicly and then having received one, a good one, also publicly. Uh, I waited six years for it, but you can listen to it here. Uh, it's only seven minutes long, but it's a masterclass in how to apologize. He's not rationalizing or justifying or making excuses. He doesn't just vaguely acknowledge some general wrongdoing in the past. He gives a full account. Yes, I only listened because I expected an apology, but what I didn't expect was the relief I'd feel just hearing him say these things actually happened. I didn't dream it. I'm not crazy. Ironic that the only person who could give me that comfort is the one person I'd never ask. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, I thought that, thought that was uh, that was interesting, especially coming from the creator of Rick and Morty, The Bad Show. The Bad Show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame that that was like immediately ruined for me uh, by somebody posting uh, that side-by-side side with the click, click hole uh, article headline, as a male feminist, I think I'd really absolutely crush it if I had to ever pu- publicly apologize for sexual <laughs> misconduct. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, I mean... I Jokes know. aside, though, like, I mean, like, that's horrible. And he, what he did was horrible. But I think that's genuinely what needs to happen when we're talking about this, like, Me Too stuff is that, like, not to be like, oh, I didn't really know and, like, just move on from it, but to be like, yeah, society told me to not respect women and so I didn't and so I was a piece of shit and I'm not going to be like that anymore. Yeah, and I think, like, there's also a very important part of his apology there where he, where where she says – Oh, I'm not crazy. Yeah. This is something that actually happened. This is real kind of thing. And, and you know, I think some, uh, you know, for somebody that has been like, you know, gaslit or um, uh, experienced trauma or that sort of thing. Yeah. Actually, actually acknowledging that it happened in concrete terms uh, is a very simple thing that basically everybody gets wrong yeah. when they uh, when they go to apologize for, you know, like you said, you know, they kind of dance around the issue. Well, yeah, yeah that absolutely. Was, that was my point with both the Aziz and James Franco things. I mean, like with, uh, with James Franco, he was basically just saying like that didn't happen. That didn't happen the way those women said. Um, whereas Aziz's thing was what to me is, is like almost kind of worse in a way of saying – Oh, I I acknowledge this person's hurt. I acknowledge like that that I've done something bad to this person that they're upset by it and everything. But also, like I didn't I didn't really do the thing they're saying. Which yeah. is kind of, that's yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a, a dog that's been like that's had its nose rubbed in some shit. It knows that it's sad and that you're yeah, disappointed it with why. it. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And that was my thing with the whole Aziz thing. I was like, yeah, so you can talk all this shit. And then when somebody like explicitly says, this is all, this is the actual accounting of what you did. Like imagine being able to read that piece and not go, holy shit. Someone's describing all this awful shit that I did to them. But like out in the real world, not just in my apartment where nobody else knows about it. 
yeah, you, you'd, you'd be like, well, uh, my goose mm. is extremely cooked. And you know, like he d- he did say in his in his piece about it as well that like he thinks the the current movement that is happening is really important and needs to continue and everything. But like, kind of makes me go, is that what you think, or would you just like it to be happening to someone else now? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, everybody, take a cue from Dan Harmon. Apparently. Yeah, that's actually surprisingly. You know, it's not it's not good. What he did was not good, but that is a good way to deal with sexual assault accusations is to actually take a step back and be like, maybe I was a piece of shit and maybe I should learn to not be like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I did wonder about it in terms of like whether if someone like a Dan Harmon is, is, you know, known for being like a really good writer and stuff, whether that person is capable of a bit more like introspection and ability to, Mm. to kind of lay that stuff out there. But then, you know, it's like both of the other people that we're talking about are people whose entire public identity comes from like performing and writing and expressing yeah. something about yourself. It's not like either of them are unable to do a little introspection or anything. No. I mean, there's so much shit around this. I feel like we would need a lot more time to talk about these kinds of issues and maybe we should do that. Yeah, I agree. But for now, uh, we'll leave it. Um, as always, if you would like some extra material, you can go on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista and, uh, yeah. and subscribe and support the show. People have been supporting us a lot lately. We've, we've yeah, reached one of our goals. A goal. You've been paying women. Hell yeah. Right. You're paying. I get like a dollar something of, of that money. I'm not. I'm not going to do the maths because I'm a lady, and my lady brain can't do maths. That's right. You, That's a lie. You don't want to know how our pay scale works here. <laughs> 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 I'm Mark Wahlberg, and you're Michelle Williams. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's disgusting yeah. conditions in here. Uh, That's not. Andrew's that's not how it works, him. everybody. Add him on Twitter. <laughs> Getting paid pennies in here. It's not true. Um, but yeah, so thank you, everybody, for all the support we've been getting lately. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, of course, we'll try and get out even more bonus material than we currently do at the moment. Um, we will. We're going we're gonna to do videos and shit. That's right. Lucy's going to do some Twitch streaming, probably. going to do some gaming. going to do some serious gaming. Yeah. You're going to do that oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I was going to do that anyway. It'll just, be, there'll just be a camera on. Won't be very good, but it'll be an insight into my sad life. Yeah. Alright folks, so we're gonna leave it there and we'll see you over on the bonus episode. Until then, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.